Hi, I'm Amanda Johns. And I'm Ryan Lynch. And this is our weekly podcast, Worth the Work. A quirky and insightful look into the world of therapy with topics that matter to you. Let's get started. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Amanda. What you doing? Uh, A podcast. What are you doing? I'm doing a podcast, too. Well, what are the odds? I know. So we have a very special guest today. That's true. We do. Yeah. What are we talking about with her? Uh, I believe it's trauma. Trauma or drama? Trauma. Trauma. Okay. And her name is Melissa Moreno. She's an LPC. Which is a? Licensed professional counselor. It is. Correct. Woo, woo. Um, so, hi, Melissa. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, too. So, why don't we start off and you just tell us a little bit about yourself. Why are you in this field of therapy? Hmm. <laughs> why do you say it like that? Because, I mean, it makes it sound exciting and Mm. right so um i'm in the field of therapy and i think particularly the field of trauma um you know from my own life experiences uh you know places that i've wanted to understand about myself and about the others around me and i only way i knew how to do that was through learning i love learning so um i've had therapy in and out of my whole life and, you know, finding somebody that I felt comfortable with and that really understood what I was going through was difficult. Yeah. Um, then I experienced a trauma myself. I, uh, my partner died suddenly and I was left being a single mom with mm-hmm. three kids mm-hmm. and really obviously struggling, but also wanting to know how do I best support themselves, support myself and them. And I decided to go and get a master's in counseling. That's amazing. Wow. That's really awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So Um, did you have more you wanted to add? Just so now I am an LPC, but I'm also a certified clinical trauma professional because that is my That is so important too. And that's why she's here. And that is exactly (laughs) why she's here. We we only have the best here on Worth the Work. Um, So let's start by just defining trauma. Like, you know, you see people say all the time, oh my God, I'm so triggered. Oh my God, it was a trauma. And I don't know that everybody really understands the impact of what they're saying when they use these words. Right. So can you sort of start by helping us to expl- uh, to understand what that word even means? Right. Well, I think at, at the core, we're going to say, you know, trauma is having experienced something that is highly distressing, overwhelming, disturbing, um, that disrupts a person's ability to cope or um, feel like they're in control of their situation. Um, and that's very broad because when when we start to break down trauma, um, there's really, you know, different types and there's different ways that it can impact someone, um, which I know we can get into in a little bit. But um, I liked something I heard the other day. Um, I was listening to a lecture from uh, a gentleman called Alex Howard, who's a a trauma person over in the UK. Um, and he says, trauma is not something 
or trauma is not caused by what happens to you. It's caused by how you and others respond mm. to what happens mm. to you. And also Gabor Mate, who is another person that really works within this field of trauma, you know, talks about how trauma is not the experience or the, what's happened. It is the wound that it creates within a person. Wow. And that wound is dependent really on that person's past experiences, personality, and all the other kind of layers of um, what they have to manage something that is traumatic. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, I mean, the the fascinating thing about trauma is two people can go through the exact same thing and not experience the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One can come out with trauma and one does not. And then it's... It's like, well, why did this person versus this person? Yeah, so that's a really good point. Exactly. And I think mm-hmm. I automatically, my brain goes to something like, like 9-11, mm-hmm. where some people were directly impacted by it, and others were impacted by it just from watching the television. Yes. Um, and that sort of brings me to the next question, because, you know, that sort of experience of 9-11 is a great sort of way to understand the different types of trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you sort of help us to understand what are the different kinds of trauma? Okay. So um, if you think about what we all consider trauma, usually we think of something big. So Mm -hmm. like what they would call maybe big T trauma. And that's like, you know, Right. You were in 9-11. You experienced a natural catastrophe like a hurricane, tornado, something devastating. Um, it could be a car crash. Um, it could be an assault, you know, being mugged, being um, sexually assaulted. Um, so something usually big and succinct. So okay. it's not happening all the time. It's a, it's a one-time event, um, but certainly very impactful. The other thing where we can go into trauma is a little bit of what they call the small T traumas, which are kind of like a little bit more than everyday stressors, but things that cause somebody to have consistent stress and fear could be financial. It could be like living in a neighborhood that has a lot of crime or they're um, feeling like they're not safe all the time. Um, It could be interpersonal disruptions or arguments um, that continue over time. And there's something that I think that for me, I focus on most in what I'm interested in and and the trauma that I understand in my mind the best um, is a complex trauma or developmental trauma. And that's trauma that occurs within a relationship. Um, Generally, developmental trauma means it's starting from a very early age, from Mm -hmm really inception um, in utero and then through um, growing up. So, you know, when we're, when you hear all those, those three kind of distinctive things, that's why we can say the word trauma. It can be this big umbrella term, but how somebody is being affected again is really dependent on what the scenario is. And can you help us to understand what vicarious trauma is? Absolutely. Um, so I, essentially it is witnessing, um, something traumatic or, you know, horrific happening to someone else. Um, for me, one of the things that really is at the base of trauma is as human beings, we are connected to other human beings. Mm-hmm. We are a relationship dependent spe- species. 
So, you know, when we, we can talk about the, the developmental trauma and how we're forming those relationships with others and how that impacts, you know, who we are. Um, but we are also able to look at someone else being hurt or being, um, I guess being hurt is good enough. <laughs> um, but, and experience that ourselves. We can have that kind of visceral internal understanding of what just happened and recognize that we are still helpless and powerless in that situation. I think too that that something that's important to point out is that therapists, part of the self-care mm-hmm. is recognizing when a client's story is impacting you in a way that's causing you to walk away with some symptoms of vicarious trauma. And I think that's an important thing to sort of say, knowing that therapists also listen to this podcast. That's not to to say to people, stop telling your stories to your therapists, because it's the therapist's responsibility and duty to listen, and then their responsibility and duty to take care of themselves afterwards. Um, But I do think it is important for therapists to be aware of and to acknowledge that they can be impacted and and sort of have issues with vicarious trauma from hearing um, somebody else's traumatic experience. Absolutely. And I think that goes into understanding, again, that trauma affects our nervous system. Right. So it's not just a, you know, it is part of the brain, but that brain that connects through the nervous system into the body makes you experience symptoms and um maybe struggle with affect regulation, which is that ability to control your own emotions or to feel like you're in control of your emotions. Um, so a therapist say, you know, that might be experiencing um, some vicarious trauma while in with a client um, has to have kind of those skills, mm-hmm. know, know their own nervous system, mm-hmm. know how to regulate themselves, particularly in the moment so they can be of service to that client, you know, but also for themselves when they walk out of that office because, um, you know, they have to keep themselves healthy and, and in a good, you know, positive state to keep moving forward with their practice. So going off of what you just shared, so what about for the individual themselves and and how does trauma or how can trauma affect the body? And um, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Okay. So trauma in the moment. So we have what we, you know, the nervous system, most people recognize the words fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. So in a traumatic experience or when something is scary or overwhelming you, um, parts of your brain shut down and parts of your brain light up. Um, very simplistic way of saying it. Uh, the, the part that lights up is the one that's going to keep you the safest. Okay. So it's kind of that instinctive reptilian brain that we call the amygdala way in the back there. Um, and, you know, we know the terms fight or flight. So um, something's coming at you, someone's coming at you, um, you might have an instinct to fight them off to want to, you know, stand your ground and you feel strong in that. Um, and, or something is bigger than you, you're not going to stand a chance. So you run. So you want to run away. Uh, what we know though, um, and really through the work of like Peter Levine, who started looking at how animals respond to danger, um, and comparing that to human responses is that there's really a, a much more varied, way um, of people to for people to respond in trauma and that also includes freezing so Mm -hmm. meaning we just get stuck we stand still we kind of do like the possum play dead Mm -hmm. um 
But there's also something called submit, um, and that is to go along with the aggressor or the situation in a way that you believe it will keep you safe. Mm -hmm. So um, those are just some things that are happening in the moment. On the other side of that, when we're talking about kind of um, trauma that lasts over periods of time, so going maybe closer to the the small T traumas that we talked about earlier, um, our nervous system is going to be kicking on and trying to keep us safe. One of the things, and I'm kind of going back to Uh, something that I've learned along the way is that we think about trauma as like a physical threat to ourselves. Trauma can also be an emotional or relational, Mm -hmm. relational threat because again, as human beings, we need people in our lives to survive. That's a really good point. Can you give an example of what that might be? Um, early on would be, um, as a child, you have all of your needs met. So physically, you have shelter, you have food, um, you have toys, even, you know, uh, things in your environment to keep you occupied. Um, but if you are not giving kind of this other piece of nurturance, love, being seen, um, having, you know, your emotions mean something to someone else, you can start to feel that you are in danger, that your Mm. survival is in danger um, because it's such a big part of who we are Mm. as, as people and how we connect. Um, And that's going then into this long term of when our systems are feeling traumatized and it could be physical, it could absolutely be abuse uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, but there's also this side of neglect and mm-hmm. emotional abuse that will keep our nervous systems turned on. And it's the, um, I always get the uh, sy- symptoms backwards, but it's the sympathetic nervous system that turns on to keep us safe. And that revs up that kind of uh, trauma response. Um, when that's on all the time because of these like small T or maybe relational traumas, um, things start to actually change in our body physically. Um, because what's happening is you're having rushes of cortisol and adrenaline and different parts of the brain that are being turned on and left on, Mm -hmm. which it's not meant to be. Okay. And what I hear you saying too, is I think about, um, you know, growing up in the era that I grew up in Mm -hmm. and the stigma around domestic violence that, that, existed and the the stigmas around acknowledging that you've experienced trauma. Um, and I, and I can't help but think about what you're saying and then consider that back in the day, emotional abuse wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. It was so stigmatized and so, um, sort of looked at as non-existent that it's really awesome that the, the, the stance is, has shifted, um, to recognize that emu- that emotional abuse and relational abuse is just as impactful and can be just as impactful as a physical abuse. Right. And I, I would say that that's a shift within, within the field, mm-hmm. and it's a recent shift, right. and that it is still being 
uh, really researched and expanded upon. Um, You know, one of the things that that I've been reading through um, really speaks to, you know, that being neglected, so having your own emotions neglected, um, as well as then witnessing mm-hmm. domestic violence within the household. So not with not that you need to be being um, abused or physically abused, but witnessing domestic abuse at the same time as having your emotions being denied or neglected um, really creates the most disrupted mm-hmm. and painful and hardest to heal uh, scenario for someone. And that fits in line with my theory because, you know, I do work with attachment and Mm -hmm. it, and it sort of fits in my theory that a lot more people have issues of attachment. Yes. um, Then we recognize because we often see, you know, people with attachment disorders and we say, well, they must have been through the foster care system in order to have that diagnosis, or they must have been brought over from an orphanage across seas. But, Mm -hmm. but I find pretty consistently that a good number of, of individuals who were raised in quote unquote um, viewed from the outside as good enough homes mm-hmm. have some significant issues with attachment. So it's really interesting that the fields are sort of catching up with themselves. Absolutely. And, um, and necessary. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's critical to people yes. getting better because we've, Absolutely. you know, I think in, in, in all of the fields, we're sort of starting to recognize that relationships are the ultimate healer yes and and having healthy relationships and learning how to navigate healthy relationships with boundaries absolutely boundaries being like my favorite word ever (laughs) you just love it i love boundaries so you know and that that brings me to i think the one thing we we've danced around but haven't fully acknowledged yet i think is ptsd because that's Mm -hmm. something that has is is more prevalent now as far as the in the global consciousness, I guess. Right. So could you talk a little bit about that? I Yes, absolutely. Uh, PTSD is, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, finally got into the DSM-5. So when you're talking about, and I think you've just, you, you've yeah. explained what that is already. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to our first podcast or our second, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> yes. Um, the, that became finally, it, it's one of the actual first diagnoses that is actually, like experience dependent, which is really, you know, mm-hmm. interesting because, um, again, we kind of go back to that the brain develops, it, it, it's ex- experience dependent. So right. I won't go into all that, but, <laughs> but, um, so PTSD finally came into the, the, uh, DSM and it's, you know, this kind of response generally it relies or relates to a big T trauma. So if you've had, um, you know, say you're in a really significantly uh, bad car accident, um, you know, we know that people can then struggle. Um, they can have like flashback, flashbacks or um, a lot of, again, this kind of nervous system dysregulation that they don't know how mm-hmm. to manage um, and they can't really process that experience. So like difficulty driving, maybe they get behind the wheel of a car and they're suddenly yes. anxious or they find themselves at that intersection and they're sort of in that freeze that you talked about. Right. Right. Or panic or panic you know, because right. it's triggered uh, this kind of unconscious uh, response to the event. Um you know, the other side or piece to that is, and what is 
this part that's currently being developed is the understanding of complex PTSD, which is that more prolonged um, experience or exposure to different, um, like in a, an abusive or traumatic environment that mm-hmm. is ongoing. Um, and those are two really different experiences um, and affect the body in some ways similarly, but not always. Mm -hmm. PTSD is very much that physical response to a trauma. Um, And it moves into other, you know, realms of how you interact with the world and how you see yourself, but not to the extent that a complex PTSD um, might. And that is where really the research is being done and and the push to get that included into uh, the DSM um, in the coming years or whenever they're going to do a new one. Um, Hopefully not soon. Um, (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah. And, and I think that it's worth pointing out too, uh, that, you know, the, like PTSD, just like a lot of this stuff is not new. Mm -hmm. It's been around forever, but it's, it's our understanding of it. That is what's coming out. Absolutely. And cause the term PTSD was, was first like kind of, uh, researched by the VA after Vietnam. And, and, you know, I think back to, you know, as somebody who's, uh, you know, done a lot of work in reading history and things like that, you know, during the first world war, you know, they called it shell shock right. in the second world war. It was combat fatigue. Right. And then now it's PTSD. It's just, but it, but it just shows that this is something that's always been there yes. and that exists for people. Um, you know, I just find that very interesting. Absolutely. So, We've we've used the word trauma dump here on our show before. Um, can you sort of explain to us what trauma dumping is, what trauma avoidance is, and how it can um, impact someone getting into treatment? All right. So, uh, again, and, and I feel like my answers are going to move towards the complex PTSD, but not necessarily isolated to that. But um, when you are experiencing overwhelming emotions or an overwhelming experience. Um, you know, we we're built, our bodies, our brains are built to uh, do whatever feels safest, whatever's going to make us feel safe in the moment. And part of that is kind of this, you know, desire to not feel all of that overwhelmingness, um, you know, either whether it's fear or stress, um, it's going to take the body out of homeostasis. And we don't like that homeostasis being this kind of like balance of everything's in balance in the way it should be. Um, and we do that through a couple different ways. So, you know, some of those are, you know, to avoid and distract yourself. Um, some is to state change. Some is to completely disconnect from your ability to feel feeling because feeling feeling Mm -hmm. is scary and overwhelming, um, particularly around the traumatic event. Mm -hmm. So somebody can come in and literally give you the full narration of their trauma, but have no emotional connection to it. So it has no emotional meaning to them. They're just telling you what happened to them. Like a story, reading a story out of a book. Exactly. Um, And so if you're having a trauma dump, Generally, that means you're really disconnected from the emotion and the feeling and what the experience was for you. You have distanced it from yourself and made it something that you can look at from a distance Mm -hmm. and tell somebody. And maybe you want them to know because, you know, there are certain, you know, 
there's reason behind all behavior. Yep. So, you know, being able to emotionally or trauma dump someone might evoke within that other person something that then makes you feel safe and, and allows you to soothe in that moment. But they're not connecting to what's really happened to them. And, you know, it's been somewhat – I've seen this sometimes in my own cases. Sometimes when people come in and do a trauma dump – it's very hard for them to come back in for a next session because then they feel like, well, I've told this person who I barely know all of this stuff. They're going to judge me. They're going to judge me. What do they They think? They think I'm terrible. Or crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, all of this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, it's, I think, reassuring for people to know that that's a very normal reaction to to come in and Mm -hmm. feel that need to just dump it all out on the table. And, and that's what we do as therapists is help you pick up the pieces, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you, Ryan and myself all provide trauma informed care. Mm -hmm. I think it's important though, for people to understand what that means and how do you as a client know that you're getting it? Uh, yes, that would be wonderful, right? Um, so <laughs> we need trauma, a stamp. <laughs> right. Yeah, could we uh, we get a label? Um, <laughs> but I mean, trauma informed care in the simplistic or simplest terms is basically being a a person and organization um, that acknowledges that you don't know that trauma or someone has experienced a trauma, um, that it assumes that everyone that walks in or that you're in contact with has had experienced some level of trauma and that whatever that environment is, is going to work towards not re-traumatizing the person. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the other things that I'm I'm doing right now in the in the quarantine or in the <laughs> shutdown is I'm getting my certification in yoga, um, and that's another piece. But um, I was you know looking and, and listening to some trauma informed yoga practices, and um, it's as simple as not using the word pose mm. um, because for some that is very traumatic if they've had a sexual assault and. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, you know, put your legs up in the air. Mm. So it's it's about understanding that everyday terms can be triggering, that you're going to try to be as um, non-triggering in what you're saying and what you're doing in the environment, and that you're really just kind of holding space and, and having empathy that this person might be affected by something that you're doing. I want to sort of bring up something that, you know, we we talk about a lot right now, but not necessarily in the sense of it being a quote unquote trauma. But a lot of indigenous people of color, um, brown folks, I just want to take a second to to acknowledge um, that a lot of people are feeling symptoms of what are probably trauma symptoms, but not being necessarily identified as such. Um, you know, people of color, indigenous people, LGBTQ, um, the political climate right now is causing a lot of people to be reminded of relationships or experiences that impacted them in a way that was really, really, really negative and difficult. Um, so I'm wondering if you could speak to that experience for people. Uh, right. So you know, we're getting into, you know, 
shifting a little bit from that kind of relational trauma to what we could look at maybe as cultural trauma Mm -hmm. and or generational trauma. Um, You know, people's experience in the world is so unique, not just to their families, not to just um, what's going on within the house or sometimes even within their community, but we are affected by um, outside happenings. Um, you know, I think from a clinician's perspective, the best thing that we can do is to acknowledge that, that if somebody, um, you know, comes into the office or virtually connects with you (laughs) as we are doing right now, um, you know, which is its own thing that you have to worry about when you're being trauma informed again, whole nother topic. Um, but that, you know, we have to acknowledge that what their experiences is relevant and valid, even if it's not our experience. Um, and that there are, you know, many things, no matter what side, you know, of the political spectrum, um, that you're on or, you know, what you believe are the injustices against you. Um, that, you know, you're going to be dysregulated by yeah. that. And and that's, I guess, the the best word is dysregulation because it's what's going on around that person that is dysregulating what's going on inside that person. Okay. And we have to acknowledge that. So important. So uh, as we sort of get ready to end this way too short podcast, because this could <laughs> go on for hours, um, how can a trauma therapist help somebody? Well, I kind of a little bit just answered that. So, yeah. <laughs> do, it. Um, do it, do it again. Yes. Uh, but I think, you know, again, one is, uh, you know, a, a trauma therapist is going to understand the mind, body, spirit connection. Um, they, they do have to be a holistic mm-hmm. practitioner, um, I believe. Yeah. You know, that's my personal uh, belief of what I've learned and, and how what I bring into my, my own sessions. Um that, you know, the person is going to have, you know, potentially, uh, you know, certainly cognitive distortions, which is something that a CBT person would look at. Um, but they're also going to have these nervous system regulations that affect their um, ability to control emotions, yeah. to understand their emotions. Why are they getting emotional about something sometimes that doesn't make sense to them or to the people around them? Um, why do they, you know feel like they need to always please someone else Mm -hmm. and not take care of their own needs. Um, You know, these are just pieces of what come out of trauma. And so a good trauma therapist or a a therapist that's going to help somebody, um, you know, is just going to know kind of the the nuances of that um, and then look to really create a holistic healing path for that person. Okay. And and if somebody wants to learn more or um, watch or read something to help them understand the impact of trauma on themselves or someone they care about, what would, what resources, do you have any resources? I have so many. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but if I could narrow it down, I would say uh, that really for, in my mind, the seminal book is um, The Body Keeps the Score. Love it. By Bessel van der Kolk. Love it. Um, And then, you know, looking up anything by, by him. Um, You know, a couple of the names I mentioned uh, specifically uh, Gabor Matei, who's does a lot of work and that's M-A-T-E with some kind of an apostrophe in there. Um, you know, he has a, a 
really good website books that he's written, um, but he speaks a lot to addiction and trauma, which is important. Um, there is currently a documentary on Netflix called Cracked Up mm. um, that is the story of Daryl Hammond. Saw it. It was um, great. Yeah. Uh, you know, really well done. And, and they've been doing ongoing talks about that. And then I guess another kind of quick place to go, and we didn't fully discuss or we didn't really touch on this again, a whole nother topic um, would be uh, Nadine Burke Harris's TED talk about childhood yes. abuse and how it affects us throughout the lifespan and the body. Awesome. Okay. And we can also list these resources on our um, various social media sites. So if somebody wanted to find you, Melissa, if somebody's mm-hmm. listening to this and they're like, Oh my goodness. That is who I want as my therapist. Um, and I would absolutely vouch for Melissa and her ability to provide really, really excellent trauma informed care. Thank you. Um, word. <laughs> word. How could somebody reach you? Um, okay. So right now I am uh, reachable via email at Melissa Moreno dot therapy at gmail.com. Um, I also have a Psychology Today profile. Um, So if you type in my name, uh, I should come up and the spelling is more no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you want some more of that? No. No. But But we do want some more of you. Yes. (laughs) I thought I was the corny one. Jeez. No, not at all. So thank you. Thank you so much for... um, sitting with us today and talking. I'd love to have you back on again another day to sort of maybe talk about this further in more detail, very specific detail. Um, We're just going to shout out your son, Bryden, and say thanks for letting us have mom today. Um, (laughs) Rock rock star mom that you are. Um, But yeah, thank you. Uh, And if if those listening want to find out more about our work that we do here at Worth the Work or that Ryan and I do independently, mm-hmm. you can um, follow our social media. Uh, we are on Facebook at Worth the Work with Amanda and Ryan. We're on Instagram as Worth the Work underscore. And we have a website, Ryan. We do. We do, where uh, you can learn more about Ryan and I, what we do, the type of therapy we provide. And that is Worth the Work. Dot net. It is. It is. So thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I see you, Russia. I see you, Spain. I see you, uh, France, our international listeners. I also see you, Massachusetts. And all the other people. And New Jersey too. and Virginia and Pennsylvania. Pens- oh, my goodness, Pennsylvanians. I see you, Georgia. And also. And Ohio. The- okay, are you done? Maybe. I don't think anybody in Washington listens yet. Yet. Okay. We also have an election coming up, so make sure you go vote. Yes. Okay. All right. That's all I got. Thanks, Ryan. Anytime. Okay. Till we see you next week. Remember, you are... Worth the work. That didn't have as much pizzazz as normal. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not a machine, Alice. Okay. Fine. Okay. See you guys next week.